0: If you can sit down and share some of the success and the pain with the sales function of delivering on the business, and I mean financial, great, It really good. But if you can sit down and have a shared understanding of what's driving that pain, either one side of the table or another, good. You should have that very basic. If you don't understand that, you don't have that dynamic, you're quite quickly gonna be challenged in terms of your effectiveness because you don't get
1: what's going on in the business. We believe that to solve the biggest, most complex marketing problems, you have to blur the lines between intuition and reason, imagination and logic, the theoretical and the practical. Join us as we reimagine problem solving with
2: leading B2B marketers on
1: B2B Marketing Solved.
2: We're your hosts,
1: Richard and Benedict.
2: Benny, why are we here today?
1: So today, Richard, (laughs) we're here to talk about what it looks like for marketing when you're going through really, really, really fast growth as a company. What is the impact on the marketing organization? What are the pressures that it creates? And how do you respond to that? How do you actually structure a marketing department to be able to move as fast as the business and make sure that you're returning value and also showing value to the business? Nice. So that's what, and we're joined by Paul today, who's a, a, an old acquaintance of yours, I believe.
2: Uh, he's an old acquaintance of well. mine in the business as well. So, Paul, <laughs> where have you come from? Oh,
1: well, working in Berkshire
0: today, but yeah. further afield than that, it's um, great to be here, thanks for the invitation in the first place. Gets me out of the office, stroke front bedroom. I've got... Probably 20, 25 years history in B2B and B2C, most B2B marketing areas. Most of it's technology-based, big Fortune 50 companies for probably half of that period of time, both local, global, and regional roles. Fortunate enough to have managed most of the functions in the marketing mix, and then moved laterally into leadership probably after about 12 years. Last few years, moved into a smaller ERP organization based out of EMEA, and then the last couple of years, i have been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to take a step out and go down the contracting consultancy route. And so I've been working with medium-sized companies across technology and outside of the technology sector. And latterly, quite a few startup SaaS companies, you know, round one, round two funding. And at the moment, working on a, a larger project in a larger SaaS-based company, PE-backed, who are going through, they wouldn't term it as hypergrowth, but some other companies would term it as hypergrowth. And so enjoying having uh, the time to go and experience several other different organizations going through very different situations in their growth and the marketing function's ability to, to meet that
1: demand. And so just to sort of give it a little bit of color, what does that experience look like for a marketing organisation that is part of a company that's going through that sort of fast growth? Because I can imagine there's always almost a bit of a lag time between the growth of the company and then correspondingly the marketing organisation sort of catching up. Does that create a lot of pressures and for the organisation? Yeah, I think in general, no matter what size the company is,
0: and, you know, whether you term it as hypergrowth or excessive growth, not excessive growth, there's no excessive <laughs> growth at all, unless you can't meet the demand, hypergrowth or, you know, a high degree of growth, and it's sort of subjective based on the company. My experience has typically been that the business is growing, moving faster, is more adaptable than the marketing function, mm. specifically in B2B. Less so in B2C, although it, they're not too far apart in my experience. There's a veneer about the B2C world that it's you know that's uh, hyper-agile, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But when you get behind the doors, sometimes it's very, very similar in terms of the way things work or mm. don't work in it, compared to B2B. B2B marketers have this chip on their shoulders about B2C marketing, and it's not deserved at all. In some cases, maybe.
2: Just one pick that. Why is that?
0: Do you know what? I don't know. It's a really strange thing. And it drives, having done both, as it were, and now having some of the stuff I've done in the past, where I've looked at the b 2 B2C marketeers and the function, in some cases inside very big B2C organizations, massive brands, and gone, it's not really that impressive the brand is I mean, it appears to be incredible i'm quite a an active proponent and active engager in the b2b marketing community i have been for now for probably 12 15 years you know with you guys and other organizations i don't th- i can't put my finger on why it is i don't know why it is less glamorous or whatever it is i don't and it's not dessert there are some things that go on i think b2b marketing is far more difficult far more nuanced and, dare I say, you need to be a better marketeer to work in these functions than in B2C. I'm sure it's going to cause a few eruptions, but that's my opinion.
1: That's I mean, it's a good opinion to have, and we should probably take some of those as sound bites because we are absolutely on a mission to uh, rebrand B2B and give it that sort of, uh, I think, recognition that it deserves. And also, like... Show the world actually that there's so much exciting going, things going on in B two B, and actually there are just as intriguing and compelling stories that need to be told from a B two B side of things as well as B two B C. So,
0: and I think you know, given the few the few dynamics we've experienced around the world in the last few years, it's bringing some of the realities about how B two B marketing, yeah. how how really strong it is, and how, as I said earlier on, nuanced, and how challenging it can be, It's bringing it to its head, bringing it to a head, because. It exposed quite a few situations in my experience, definitely, where if I was in the B2C world, it would be an easier situation to solve, selling things, you know, the transaction, etc. B2B in the last few years has gone through quite a radical uh, self-reflection, inspection and validation of what works, what doesn't work, Mm -hmm. which I personally have found invigorating. Some have not enjoyed it at all, quite clearly. And change is always tough, especially when it's some very quick and unexpected uh, stimulus that's caused it. But, you know, this is why I get involved in these things because I'm sat here going, no, no, in some cases, if not a lot of the cases I come across, the B2B marketing individual function, I think, is a higher standard than B2C. All credit to B2C organizations. They've got some really uh, incredible technology, yeah. in the way that they work. And we'll talk about maybe the commercialization and the delivery on the peer now, that sort of stuff. They've been ahead of that, quite clearly. B2B's had to catch up. It's getting there without doubt. But um, I'm, uh, there's the reason why I went down the B2B route. Yeah. having had the luxury of being in organisations that served both parties yeah. the technology sector, you know, I did 10 years at HP and 10 years at Dell, I could have within those organisations, I could have gone one route or the other. Mm-hmm. I just found the B2B world far more uh, engaging because I found it difficult and I found it complicated and, and complex
1: when I looked at my B2C yeah. colleagues who were There there we go. We've got an advert for working B2B marketing and we're finally, B2B marketers are getting the recognition they deserve, which is is great to hear. So just bring us back to those pressures that we're talking about when you're in a sort of fast growth organisation. Can you just sort of characterise what were those creaks, if you like, for the marketing organisation as it was trying to play catch up or respond to that growth that was experienced within the the organisation? I think... You know, despite what I've just said about some of the B2B, B2C dynamics, I would
0: say that in typically the B2B marketing function has been for quite some years fairly consistent in what it does and how it does it. There's been a technology increase and a technology uh, divergence in the last few years. But there, and I think there are some areas in the classic ABM piece, digital piece, that that's created a very new dynamic. But underneath it, there's been some fairly consistent. Let we do it this way and that way, from a marketing point of view. And I think what I've seen in the organisations, both big, medium, and small, has been that the sales functions have been more agile and frequently, or more frequently, changing the way that they've been working because they've had to because of the end recipient's changing the way that they're. Uh, engaging. And so the marketing function haven't been able to rely on some of the old ways, consistent ways of working in general. That's been exacerbated by the situation in the last three years, COVID Mm. uh, and some other dynamics as well. And so where I would sort of say the B2B function has been slightly lagging is its ability to change, willingness to change, and then the capability to go on and actually make that change happen. I think what we've been going through the last couple of years has kind of been a catalyst for those organizations and the individuals around them who now either accept change more readily, or in some cases, I, myself in those situations, seek it out and enjoy it. And there's you know, there's a very clear dynamic between those two types of personalities. I think the B2B world has had quite a, um, a catalyzed, that's not even good English, I think the B2B uh, marketing organization has gone through quite a tough time in the last two, three years for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. and it's going to come out of it far better shape it's going to be more dynamic, more agile for uh, the purpose of delivering value and servicing the business units, the sales function. Whereas in the past, dynamism, in the past, that dynamism hasn't necessarily been there in most cases.
2: If you could give marketers practical advice to be more dynamic and be more agile when it comes to change, it, do you have two or three top tips for marketers?
0: Yeah, I think... Um, one thing I've noticed in my career, and it's been a, you know, a couple of decades now, B2B marketeers tend to have been resistant to looking at other B2B marketeers and functions in other companies, peers or competitors, and learning and borrowing and stealing ideas. I don't, I've don't never seen that in the B2C world. It's far more transient and far more transparent in that sense. And you know, talking to one, an organisation who runs a community at the moment, one of the functions they've not been as successful as they'd like to be has been that consultancy. Here's how it works in other organisations – in the past, that's been the case. Now I'm seeing it, and you know, I'm sure the work you guys do, you see as well, which is the B2B marketing organizations and leaders are now far more readily accepting that, their peer or their competitors probably got some really good ideas. Just go and borrow and learn. That I think I've changed in the last few years. So my, I'm lazy. I should have been in sales in some ways because if I can borrow, beg or steal, I saw the the rice smile and the laugh there, the scoff. <laughs> I was in sales, so I get it. Right. I'm lazy, and I'm you know the organisation working right now. The first thing I do is look around and see who's done it before because if I don't, have, I don't want to have to create something myself. Whereas B2B appear to want to always create and recreate. That's been one of the criticisms from a sales perspective justifiably go and borrow someone's probably done it 95 percent of the time someone's done it failed and succeeded go and learn and then bring it back in why recreate why
2: create from ground up well there's a fine balance though because sometimes in our experience we get Marketers coming to us saying we'd like to do this. You know, the argument is sometimes, well, you need to evolve it some way because how something worked six months ago is not how it may be working now.
0: Especially now. Right. And completely correct. And I think, especially given the dynamics now, you know, I had a conversation with the sales VP uh, having looked at the marketing function. And I said to, you know, I'll be looking back into your organization. And I realized quite quickly it's a waste of time because six months, a year ago, which historically, from a B2B perspective, you'd always start looking back to make a judgment on what to do moving forwards. Now, you know, the next month, the next two quarters, unknown because of what's happened in the last 12 months. So you are right in that. I absolutely agree with you completely. More so now than it ever has been.
2: And when we talk about the agility, obviously, the response to change. But we've seen it a lot. You know, there's been a lot of marketers that have thrived through throughout the pandemic. And there's been a, a few that unfortunately oh, I'm sure. haven't.
0: I'm sure. And I think there's one thing there, not necessarily about the pandemic, but that old old way of working, I don't know, maybe I'm sounding old. The big programme, the big campaign running over several courses. Is there the death of that campaign mentality? I'm not saying there is, but I think I'm looking at things in the B2B world, and I had done when I worked in a you know, selling million pound ERP systems in a similar way before COVID, let alone what's going on right now, that I'm kind of working on a micro campaign basis and a micro awareness basis. And, you know, it's probably a quarter's long or a few months long. It doesn't require a massive campaign running over X, Y, and Z quarters that you change. Actually, no, you can now, with the technology available and the agility in a lot of the marketing organizations in-house, in some cases, and then the agility of some of the agency support if you don't have the in-house capability, that ability to be agile, to um, learn fast, to fail fast, I think is something that's definitely changed and developed in B2B something that probably was there in the first place from a b2c point of view we hadn't appreciated in this industry but i think that's definitely in the case right now and your your point is correct as well i can remember years ago in a a very big m&a situation looking in the business across the business not just marketing you could see the change dynamics in individuals you know those that just stood up said right okay i'm going to go with the change what can i do how can i help let me embrace it. And those that kind of thought, not rabbit in the headlines, but if I carry on doing what I'm doing, well, the world's changing. And I definitely see it in marketing organizations now, uh, especially when I'm consulting into companies, are going through rapid change, either through growth or through some other dynamic, you know, believing new CMOs, et cetera. Change management and then the, the agility underneath that as a sort of core base skill, I think is going to continue to be a bigger requirement in the B2B community than it's ever been in the past for various reasons.
1: And what does that look like? So if we've got the scenario where, you know, a company as a total, is going through that lot of change, and you've rightly said the marketing need to have that agility for you coming into an organization and you know, looking at a marketing function, what are those sort of like key structural sort of components that need to be there? And also, I suppose, attitudinal components to make sure that a marketing organization has that uh, agility you refer to. Sure, difficult to characterise this. But
0: as I talk, I'm thinking in terms of I look at it from a very simplistic point of view. I said earlier on, I'm simple and you know lazy in some cases, but that makes it simple as well. So I look at clearly what is the structure. You know, centralised, decentralised, and when I say that, I mean who owns marketing. I've been in organisations where there's been a CMO. Really, the marketing is owned by the field managers because they have the budget and the people and they execute. The CMO is there as a figurehead and is you know orchestrating, but there's a dynamic where if the global central team want to do something, they have to seek it and get the permission and the buy-in from the regional leaders because we're paid on the P&L at that time. Equally, there's been the command and control centralised approach, which is thou shalt not do anything until it goes through the central office. And the organisation is very to why that's happening. I think that structure first, and then that dynamic in terms of who makes decisions, who's running and managing and executing. And then you get into the how do they get things done? If I want to go and put a campaign together, is it all centralized? Is it decentralized or is it internal and external? That dynamic as to how, you know, maybe simply as doing a press release or putting a campaign together, mm-hmm. or, you know, if I want to do an email the database, whatever it is, how do I go and do that? And then understanding how things get done. Typically, the mechanics of that, how long it takes, with what output, you know, is it in my experience the quality the the impact you know the sophistication of how that mechanics works and its output and then i take a look at that and then I go into the sales organization and see how their dynamic works. What are their experiences today of marketing? How quickly are they moving? And you know, there are some situations in large organizations and medium organizations where the sales function aren't actually that dynamic underneath it. Their growth may be dynamic, but them as in, they as individuals, the, the dynamism isn't necessarily there because they're gonna go through change as well. And sales are sales, there's still people in any organizational change, there'll be a you know top 10% of the bell curve that will just thrive. There'll be the middle ground who won't won't thrive as much, and then there'll be the bottom 10% for similar reasons in the marketing organization. They may not be around in the future because they didn't get engaged. They didn't want to go through the change process. So organizational structure in the marketing function, how things get done, and then you take that context and look at the business. And typically, if they're growing rapidly, I see the sales organization, the business organization evolving more quickly ahead of the curve, as it were. And then, depending on the function and the leadership and the people, Get a view as to how that organization is going to follow, and in some cases lead that change. But most most situations, it's going to be following it. Then you get into the people. We were talking before this, uh, the recording started about the dynamics in organizational change. And whether you go through a growth curve, whether it's an M&A, I've been fortunate to go through both. I've been f- fortunate to go through a plateauing of a business as well. Uh, hyper growth or steady growth, but new organizational changes, et cetera. You think into leadership. Uh, some, one very, very famous company recently has stopped making the mobile device, and uh, their leadership took it from a very small organization through to a massive hypergrowth organization before the Apple company came up and nicked their market. They needed to recruit a new set of leadership to take them through that inevitable dynamic of their market, mm. didn't get the right people in, mm. and didn't make the change another organization I'm working with at the moment, have clearly seen that they need to bring new people in because the organization wasn't meeting its objective in terms of growth. Mm -hmm. And they've made wholesale leadership change. And it is the leadership piece. And that leadership has been tasked with the appropriate coaching, organizational transformation. I'll be careful using that word, organizational change, because transformation could be too readily used for rapid change without necessarily some of the softer skills. That leadership's come in. And quite clearly going to make a wholesale and rapid change to this company and in all such a positive way that they're taking everybody on a growth curve Mm -hmm. as individuals. Different set of criteria needed for that company from where it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So organizational structure, how it mirrors
1: into the the company itself and then the people behind that. That's interesting, and obviously we've spoken there about the the importance of having having the right leadership. You know, that's both in terms of leaders with the right vision, but also the right skill set and capabilities to take a company forward. If we're to sort of cascade down to the marketing organisation, from your observation, you know, coming in and working with companies over the past sort of two three years, a lot of which are going through that fast growth, but also all of those companies are in a different environment. What have you observed in terms of key roles that organizations within marketing need as success and new types of roles that have emerged almost in the past couple of years and really are coming to prominence within marketing?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think in the context of change and the you know uh, the growth mechanics that a lot of B2B organizations are seeing now, and it's been accelerated in a lot of companies with regards to the dynamics that the, the COVID situation has brought, mm. a lot of organizations have been able to take advantage of that. I've been advising in one particular situation just recently and a couple beforehand, I said to the marketing leader, the CMO, whatever, you need a, dare I say, a transformation office, a change office. Mm-hmm. You need a, whether there's a chief of staff and these organizational posts weren't typically in the marketing function. You know, you would have somebody as chief of staff or a transformer in the, in the sales function. And, and it wasn't necessarily accepted that marketing needed that it is now, I think more so mm-hmm. than ever. So I think there are key functions in terms of somebody who's a change agent who can interpret the leadership, both across the business and in marketing, and act as a catalyst for change, be that transformation of program management office, uh, a CEO, chief of staff, et cetera. And then one thing I am sort of, uh, I always look at in organizational change, and you know, frankly, when some people approach me for work, uh, to join, et cetera, looking at their, the central operations piece, is there somebody who's responsible for... The operations of the marketing function is not the administration, but you know the complete centralization of planning, mm. budgetary controls, technology management, or is it dissipated? Is it distributed into the business? Mm. If it's the latter, a bit of a question mark over whether you're going to be able to change quickly mm. enough. If it's the former, then straight away I'm thinking, right, okay, there's a solid base and a foundation of a way of working with the people to catalyze the change so that those people in the roles, functional, field, whatever – can be relieved of some of the pressures and go through their own change process themselves. If they're managing uh, the, the planning and the process in a distributed fashion, that adds another level of dynamic in terms of change management. And so one organization I'm talking to at the moment are going through quite a major change and will continue to do so. Had a really great conversation with the CML. I said, listen, I think a couple of things you need to do quite quickly, someone in the center just to be the pivot point for all of this change and then someone to support them in terms of the planning and the administration. Mm -hmm. Because those two characteristics are usually quite different. And I don't think i met anybody that could do both in marketing really well. And, you know, that was a very well-received point. And I think it's moving forwards with regards to bringing somebody into the center, a chief of staff type person, and then somebody as a program management office, purely to catalyze, manage, and help uh, effective change, transformation in this case, for that function. Mm -hmm. So I would look at those centralized uh, responsibilities in
1: assessing that uh, organization. No, that, that's interesting. It's a different take on what marketing operations could actually mean in yeah. terms of and how essential it is to have that person actually say you can sort of lead yeah. the programme of change. That's a valid point because I think marketing mm. operations typically has been your budgetary management yeah. planning, you know,
0: the classic mm. dare I say administration. Mm. Now I think it was you know operations, I think now more so than ever, and you have seen this in other functions, being a catalyst, the coach, the you know, the 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 orchestrator of the change. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a uh, probably underappreciated dynamic that people need to take more notice of moving forwards. Mm. I've been in both situations where it's been distributed and decentralized. It's a lot more painful. Yeah. A lot more dynamic in the regions or outside of the center and moving at different paces. And it makes change very difficult. Mm. And one situation I was involved with, the first wave of change didn't work. So we might stop. And there was some fundamental change of responsibilities and roles because it's realized that the we needed to take a higher degree of control autocratic control in the end
1: yeah. uh, because the first the actual change didn't materialize people paid lip service to it because they were they could no i mean that, that's fascinating and i think that whether you're a company going through fast change or whether you're a company just adapting to that new environment, you know what you've said there is actually, I think, really, really pertinent in terms of how organizations should look at managing change within, well, any function, but marketing specifically. So my, my next question, you, you spoke about it earlier, and in many respects, I'm teeing you up in a big way here, Rich. But you spoke about the importance of marketing, sort of working with sales. And actually, when you come in, and you need to make that assessment in terms of what are the sales dynamics vis-a-vis marketing? dynamics. So when a company's going through change, like we were just discussing there, what's really, really key in terms of getting that relationship working between marketing and sales for the benefit of the overall business and I'm sure you've probably got some opinions on this as well
2: I'm just seeing if he's read the book yet because <laughs> <laughs> you, you had a preview of the book depending on when, when this comes out it's either out or not out but I'm, I'm now in is it out, out or is it out there yeah. we go we've,
1: we've got a plug of the book in there, there we you go. what book's that in oh Richard do tell me what book's
2: that <laughs> 15th of February uh, please uh, it's available at all good bookstores try find and find a non-signed copy
0: we're worth more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he's kissed it as well yeah, um, so I forgot the question
1: no? yeah. the
2: answer is revenueist
1: oh, no one's going to know this if they haven't read the book but no seriously what was the question I forgot marketing it. sales how can they make oh, friends um, yeah, yeah. You know, work so proactively together that so is constructively yeah, together yeah it's
0: critical right what is what is that sales and marketing relationship? Yeah. Is there a relationship in some ways? Never a straight answer. Again, we talked to them about what you look at, what I look at, organizational dynamics, the structure, who's doing what, when, and where. How mature are the organizations, both in marketing and sales terms, either in the center or in the region? Mm-hmm. you know, Where is that growth drive being driven from and the respective organizations first? And uh, one case recently, I just sat down and said, what's marketing to you in sales? And there's never a straightforward answer. Even within a, you know, let's say a Panamia business, I guarantee you every single sales leader, typically they're geographically focused, mm. you know, Southern Europe, UK and Ireland, UK and Nordic, et cetera. Every single, let's say, VP of the sales function will have a completely different experience. Mm. And it'll be underpinned by probably the same kind of overall, because they're peers, right? And they'll, they'll, humans always normalize, if they're in the group, team long enough, they normalize on a certain level of values. But it'll be underpinned by a, you know, classic, the Monty Python question, what's marketing ever done for us? But there'll be definitely different dynamics within that according to our individual sales VP or sales leaders' requirements of that function. You know, if they've got big customers and some small customers, if it's in Italy versus the UK, they will always vary. So what is that relationship? You know, from a personal point of view and quite a few times when I've gone in either when I've had the job permanently, you know, new company, new structure, new team, et cetera. I spent the first probably couple of meetings, not even talking about marketing in terms of the function, but just talking and listening and asking questions of the sales individuals as to, so how does it work from your perspective? And I can't overemphasize how important those first initial questions and not you know not the temptation to get this is what marketing is doing for you in the first couple of questions or the first couple of meetings resist it absolutely resist it and in one instance in a very big company I didn't even look at the marketing capability for the first couple of weeks I just spent my time talking to everybody else I didn't want to be tainted and as it were, I said to the team, just get on and do what you're doing. Give me a couple of weeks, first 10, 20 days, and I'll come back with the viewpoint. That was critical. I had one instance recently where I went back to a VP who I'd spoken to a month ago. The first conversation was completely clear uh, in terms of anything that I knew about his marketing experience. And a month later, I went back and said, right, here's what I think. And the reaction was, thank you. You know, one of those listened, but also held them to account. There's certain things that are going on that your team aren't doing correctly. 50 50 relationship but what i've heard is this and play it back so understanding that is there a relationship within the sales to marketing function and then the other thing i've noticed in organizations and we talked about you know centralized decentralized field versus the hub and spoke model etc what's the relationship within the marketing function what's the dynamic is it a global or central function serving into the regions? Are they going over the top with a field, etc.? Um that has been, from my perspective, having luckily been in decentralized that's moved to centralized and then centralized that's moved to decentralized. And not of the time appreciating how you pick up so many of these sort of learnings as it were. That I can't ever underestimate in terms of the real dynamics, in terms of the function itself internally. So if I wanna go and get something created, do I do it internally with my organization? Do I own everything? Are those people reporting to me in the field, for example? Mm -hmm. Or is it a, no, I go to a central service model, or do I have an agency function? That makeup is critical in marketing itself, and it will always affect the relationship with sales. We talked a lot about agility, Mm -hmm. how that works, and then your ability to respond to an agile request, or to even be agile moving forwards. There's two sides to that sales and marketing relationship.
2: There is, and obviously the book does touch on this quite a lot. I mean, uh, not like no, no, no no place, um, <laughs> no more place. Yeah. At least, yeah, there should be a stag. Unfortunately, not printed yet, but. Obviously, the the thing about sales is they have targets, they're working towards numbers that typically they are seen to be more in tune with what the business needs from a financial perspective, right? When we talk about revenue and marketing sometimes um, maybe aren't as close to that as maybe they should be. And I think that there obviously is a barrier. What, what would you say to that in terms of your experiences of of working with marketers that really understand what the business needs to achieve from a... Growth perspective, but also revenue and bottom line uh, perspective as well.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, there's a right smile as you talked about the sales being typically closer aligned to the business. I'd argue there's a question mark over that statement because salespeople by themselves are very aligned to their target.
2: And quite- I said the numbers. All right, so then that was yeah, yeah. And, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah,
0: and also you know we've we've spoken in the past about the reality where B two B marketing needs to move to be much closer to those numbers, yeah. and I think I believe and I've done it be paid on them as well, yeah, yeah, I agree. And most sales functions go, <gasps> what and most yeah. most CFOs go, hang on a minute, double yeah. bubble. Yeah. But I think the reality is, and I've termed it in the past as the commercialization of marketing. And you talked about the sales and marketing relationship. If you can sit down and share some of the success and the pain with the sales function. Of delivering on the business, and I mean financial, that's what, you know, we don't go, well, most of us got to work to earn money to pay for the mortgage and the kids, etc. If you can sit down and have a share pain, great, really good. But if you can sit down and have a shared understanding of what's driving that pain, either one side of the table or another, good. You should have a very basic if you don't understand that, you don't have that dynamic. You're quite quickly going to be uh, challenged in terms of your effectiveness because you don't get what's going on in the business. And I've, you know, I've been in situations where I've walked in, you know, classic, you know, got the marketing slide. Deck. I was on a call recently where there's a joke about, oh, you haven't got any slides for that, and it you we know, they're kind of tongue in cheek joke, but it's based on it is marketing it's the slide deck, you know. And so I don't do slides anymore because it's just one of those. I'm rubbish at doing PowerPoint anyway. But if you can sit down and actually have that discussion based on a A confirmed and accurate assessment of what's required, what's actually happening, with what effect on both the sales side and the marketing side, the conversation is far more productive. Especially if you can say, No, I'm not going to do that because that's going to affect my output on the revenue that I'm generating for your function. Mm -hmm. And it might be what you want as a salesperson because it's your number or whatever, but that's not going to make, you know, that can cause an interesting dynamic as well. I've been in one discussion once with a few years back where I said to the, marketing, the sales leader or the business leader, okay, we're going to stop doing this marketing now. Your sales organization is not acting on the marketing deliverables and the marketing performance appropriately, and I get paid on the sales number. So you're not going to make your sales target, whereas that other country, your peer, is going to make their sales number because we're working far better with them, and he's doing really well. So I'm going to put more money over there, and he and I can make more money, and I'm going to get another holiday this year, and the individual dynamic change in a split second, which is we're talking about common ground. A, you understood the business. We weren't talking about marketing. We were talking about the business because oh. this is a number.
2: Common ground and taking a more holistic umbrella view rather than getting bogged down in the weeds. Yeah, too, and I think too soon.
0: Yeah, and there is without question that capability and ability comes with a few grey hairs, right? Yeah, depending on where you are in your career you're not going to have that conversation you know five years in the marketing function it's very unlikely anyway but when you get into the leadership positions and sort of departmental and functional management then it's more likely those discussions are going to be uh, more readily had and you should be without looking for those discussions more proactively famously working in Dell, which is a very numbers driven company and i was the head of english relations a great vp whose my first meeting was just at the time i went in prepared a lot of ar numbers and you know this number of quotes and and a fantastic individual who grew great respectful said, Okay, great meeting. I'm running in a multi billion dollar organization, and not one thing you've done so far in the hour that you've been here, I can relate to what has affected my organization. There's no slights on you whatsoever. But if you can come back the next time we have a meeting and tell me either how you can affect or a path with which we'll get to how you can affect, that is a conversation I will have. Great piece of coaching. And immediately, having been in that organization about two weeks, got what was going on. And that organization probably started my, at uh, the time I didn't appreciate it, but definitely accelerated my own personal journey into being far more commercially orientated than I never thought I would be at that time. But that that was Dell's DNA at the time, and probably still is. I haven't been there for a few years now. But I always remember that one meeting because I felt really kind of, wow, I've just been taking a VP's time up of a multi-billion dollar organization. He was very good. He coached. He uh, he was kind of a mentor and said, listen, great meeting. But... For me, that wasn't a good use of my time. Let me tell you what good use of my time is. So, if you can make that time and frame it in what I'm trying to achieve, then you and I will have another meeting. Brilliant.
2: There we go. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I just tell the whole business that as well from my standpoint. <laughs> but that's, that's the right. But to your point,
0: though, right? The business exists for a reason, and the leadership and management are typically, assuming they're doing a good job, that's what they're there to achieve, overachieve, and catalyse. And so, and it's a sales-led organisation typically vast majority of the time so if the functions around them specifically marketing in some cases other functions can't or don't position themselves and demonstrate their capabilities and results within that context you're no different many of the leader and sales leader and you know you're driven by achieving and overachieving your targets and you want to spend your time typically a vast majority of your time whatever you do is always driving that forwards always moving that forwards and so there's you know, no, Different from your probably your personal life, which is I want to work and. Move forwards professionally in a positive sense, and I my personal life is the same. I don't want people. that kind of go. I don't know what I'm spending time with you for. I, this is not. I'm not moving forwards in this relationship or this discussion. So I need to because it's a negative thing. I don't think it's that. It's not too far removed.
2: And in our previous podcast with uh, Ruth, Ruth O'Connor, we were speaking about um, knowing your stakeholders and making sure yeah. that you're aware of who you need to be working with to obviously generate results. And I suppose one stage further that is, it's not just. Being aware of those individuals, it's being aware of their key careabouts in relation to the oh, the, the overarching organisational goal.
0: Completely agree, and um, having again been fortunate to go through the learning curve in a, in a couple of really strong leadership teams, going through great growth, big companies and small companies. When you're sat at the leadership table, typically uh, you know a, a boardroom and or similar within a large organisation, from a marketing perspective, I learned very quickly that I needed to tell each pers- person around that table, CFO, HR. Legal operations, service, sales—you know—and the you know the bosses, the president or the MD—I needed to articulate in a couple of conversations what marketing did for their function. And so it was the you know, again term: what has marketing ever done for us? And not I use that in terms of my own sort of vernacular. But if I am talking to HR, what is marketing doing or has done or could do? If I am talking to the CFO, it's their conversation, their values, their uh, requirements first and i've got to present the function in that capability so it's that classic stakeholder engagement management uh, around the, the boardroom or the leadership table and that i think is a key skill one of the ones i i didn't have very early in my career because i wasn't a financially orientated individual. So, you know i've got a great friend of mine who's an accountant my best man and i could just it just doesn't in the past so i thought i've got to go and learn this if i'm to do what I want to do in this business and so I went and did a you know a and it was a tough week for me when did a financial management course within the context of this company because I didn't have the vernacular the the terminology to have an effective conversation with the CFO or the group finance person etc I had to go and meet them on their terms that
1: stood with me for a long time a couple of things really stood out for me actually just in terms of this this conversation and you probably might have some other things but Firstly, what you've said earlier around that importance of really empowering marketing operations, changing it from an administrative role into almost a group of individuals or an individual that can lead a program of change and how important that is, I think is incredible. But then also just what we were sort of talking about there, which is it's almost a fundamental lesson for life, Mm. which is to take an audience first approach, Mm. understand who you're communicating with, what are their particular priorities, motivations, and drivers, and then to respond to that is the way that you're going to get the most engagement, which is marketing effectively. um, It's beautiful. Yeah,
0: Great leaders in business. And I've been fortunate to work with some very impressive individuals and the they typically are very intelligent, very driven, Mm -hmm. very successful. And in some cases, the most of all of those three areas in the room, no matter how big that room is. The really great ones just pull back, listen, observe, think. And I was with one individual where a meeting happened. It wasn't a successful meeting for the individual across the Mm -hmm. table. I was next in the room. It was a, a challenging meeting and a very senior individual indeed. And you Know some individuals at that level would have uh, been uh, rather more forthright, rather more vocal in some t- cases, perceived to be aggressive in their response to what was not a good situation. Measured, calm, controlled, coaching, advisory. Come back in two days with a reset of that meeting. Individual left, and the individual, the, the leader said to me, Was that okay? I said, yeah, of course it was. You're the president. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. He said, cause I'm taking, he was taking external coaching because the size of his personality, his capability intimidated people. And that led to something you know uh, behaviors that were just not normal, not and so he was he was aware of it. he had a high higher eQ through this coaching than he had. his eq was IQ was massive. Mm-hmm. I mean off the charts and it intimidated people. so he was taking coaching and had a lot of coaching with regards to the balance of his eq versus mm-hmm. iQ and how he reacted. and watching him at work was supremely impressive because he'd always coach and lead that sort of individual or that group first. As opposed to, you know, he may be thinking, I know the results, I know what's going to happen. But, you know, that coaching and um, mentoring aspect in somebody who was leading a multi, multi-billion dollar, several thousand people organization, every interaction, that premise was the same. And you can tell when you meet these people,
1: the really great leaders from good leaders. The balance of IQ and EQ is crucial. And there we go. And we can now run a podcast called Leadership Solved as well. So that's absolutely <laughs> fantastic Sort for of, uh, final insights there. Any f- very, very final thoughts from
2: you at all, Rich? No, I mean, I think I can take some of these practices yeah. myself. <laughs> I think obviously the, taking that view, when you're talking about impacting or instigating change, just because change might be happening very quickly in organisations, that time, like you say, to t- just take stock and understand those, those key stakeholder needs is, is vitally important. And it doesn't have to take that long. Either, But it yeah. does need to happen in terms of that diagnosis. So I think um absolutely agree with it. I think it's been a, a really, really great conversation. Yeah.
1: Thank yeah. you. Enjoyed it. And thank you very much for joining us, Paul. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you very much, Paul. My pleasure. Thank you. Cheers.
2: B2B Marketing Solved is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more about us, head to alan-agency.com and make sure to search for Marketing Souls in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss any future golden nuggets from the biggest names in B2B marketing. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.